Welcome, everybody, to Edge of the Rabbit Hole. I'm author and researcher Mike Ricksecker. With me, as always, my co-hostess, Victoria Monday, and down in the chat room, Alina, moderating the chat. We have a fantastic episode coming up for you tonight. We have international in- intuitive advisor and Amazon best-selling author, Ellie Molina, with us this evening. She's also the founder of Sci Kids Academy, a magical place for children and adults. So, Ellie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Mike and Victoria. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely nice to meet you. And so we're going to start. We have a lot of different topics we can cover with you this evening, which is great to have such a versatile guest. But um, I want to start by talking about psychic kids. This is something that um, you know a lot of people are are interested in. Uh, you know, kids that have psychic abilities. There's been television shows on the subject. So uh, get it. Please give us a little bit of background about you know, psychic children and the work you've been doing. All right, thanks, Mike. So I'm just going to start with the kids that I work with are not mm-hmm. like TV children. They are the kids that you find in your home and in my home and in public schools. And they're the kids in the playground. There's nothing unusual about them. They are not indigo children. They are not star seeds. These are just regular kids who are intuitive and who have been trained to be even more intuitive than the average child because they're using part of their brains that other people don't use. And so these children um, have, they're all naturally intuitive just as we are. However, their skills are developed and taught. So what that means is that we're all psychic, but some of us are trained, just like we can all play piano. Some of us are trained to play better than others. And that's what it is with psychic ability. It's a training. That's the same thing with remote viewing. These, these are trained skills. So when we're, when children come and they're, they want their parents bring them to the, to the set, you know, we want to develop our kids psychic abilities. Well, that's what we do. We start with telepathic exercise. Actually, we start with focus and concentration. And what that looks like is I teach children as early as three years old to sit quietly and tuck away their body and not move. And it begins with about 10 seconds and then it extends and it extends. And even adults. If I asked you now, could you just sit quietly, not move your body, do not itch and twitch and don't move. And let's see how long we can do this. Maybe after about a minute or two minutes, all of a sudden we're going to want to itch and move. And now the thing is though, that with training, we can do this for hours, but that's with training and the kids can do this for easily 20 minutes without moving. And that's what it takes to get into the real focus work. If a child is going to do, I'm jumping ahead now, but if a child is going to do telekinesis, which is moving objects with their mind or with energy like that, they have to be able to get into that zone of not moving and focused concentration for at least 20 minutes. So again, it's training. And it's not like on TV where the child wakes up and their eyes are glazed over and they just start shooting out fireballs. Uh, no, these are, this is consciousness. This is awareness. These are conversations. It begins with a belief system and acceptance that this is real, that we can all do this. And it is, again, conscious awareness, a lot of focus, intentionality, and a willingness to want to do this work. That's absolutely fascinating. Now, are these children that come to you and, and you know their, their parents present them to you, are these children that are already showing signs of some sort of psychic ability? Because you know, a lot of people will say that uh, you know, children, when they're born into the world, they still have that connection to the spiritual realm, and so therefore are more inclined at a younger age to have those psychic abilities. Mm-hmm. So... I'm going to look at it from the brainwave point of view and not the spiritual connection. I'm just, we're looking at this very scientifically. Children, their brains are in a very, and they're in the alpha state when they're about three years old, four years old, they go into alpha. Alpha is a very reduced brainwave state. When we're in the alpha state as an adult, 
to get into alpha as an adult, we have to meditate. Children are naturally there. So imagination rules. This is where imagination rules. And that's why kids love to imagine. And they're really good at it. And the veils, I call it the veils. Let's use that term, right? So these veils, these judgments, the brain has not sped up. So they are able to perceive things that we cannot see unless we are either intentionally meditating and going into this focused zone. We don't have that ability anymore, really, and when we're in beta. So when the kids are in that, in that alpha state, it's much easier for them to telepathically pick up somebody else's thoughts, see, again, over time, distance and space with remotely. Basically, that's a form of remote viewing. And all of these talents, or what we call talents and psychic abilities, they're just present. They just need to be explored and there needs to be a little bit of training so they can understand what it is that they're doing so that it's not strange for them. But so, oh, that's, do, you, go ahead, do, do you teach remote viewing and telekinetic abilities? I do. Not right. Yes, I do. As a matter of fact. So right now I'm not teaching anyone in a live scene. I was teaching during the COVID time. Um, during the height of COVID, I was doing um, online psychic development for adults and their children. And so then that was fun. And then we were doing some spoon bending, but the kids didn't do the spoon bending. It was just the adults. So we had some spoon bending going on during that time also. And the results that the kids were producing were just absolutely amazing. So these were these were adults, you know, parents who were interested in remote viewing. They were interested in it themselves. And so they wanted to have the skill for themselves and then they wanted to have this skill for their children. So the kids were open. They came. We did remote viewing. We did it via Zoom. You know, just think about that. When you think about it, it doesn't seem that it could make logical sense. But then again, when we're working with our other abilities, there is no boundary. Consciousness travels across time, space, distance. It's not linear. And so I could put an image, an, um, an image of an envelope or an image of a treasure chest that I like to use with kids on the screen and then tell them, go ahead, show me, describe to me what's inside. Don't label it, describe what it is. And then they would have this uncanny accuracy, just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Wow. Right. And it's enough <laughs> so that it's not even like, you know, oh, oh it's coincidence. Now it's really way too way too interesting and fascinating to be coincidence. Oh yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So are are you putting uh, exercises together where, you know, parents and children can work together and essentially learn together? Yes, I am. Thank you for asking. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, that's mothers great. always mothers always know what's going on, so you know. <laughs> Well, I've actually if you, I'm just going to share with you if you're all right with that. I sure, asked, go right ahead. I've developed an online program and it is available and anybody can find it. We just have to go to SciKids, uh, Ellie Molina. So elliemolina.com. And then once you're on my website, you go look at SciKids and it'll take you right. There you go. SciKids Academy. There it is. There it is. And it will take you right to the online course for adults and children. And this is something that the kids can do with their parents. And um, if anybody's interested, go look at my Instagram account and you'll see, um, I don't think she's gonna mind that I'm sharing it, young Wanda from WandaVision and her mom and their her brother are on my Instagram account and they are in, they're taking my course and they're remote viewing and having a heck of a time doing it and a lot of fun. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> so can we just say we have kids and just go do it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, they're over there. <laughs> no, no, this is not just for children. This is for the kid within each of us. This is oh, good. easy. I got that covered. I've got adults <laughs> taking. No, I've got adults taking this program also. It just, it's easy. It's just, it's there for kids and adults, but it's also for the kid in us. So really, one does not need to be a child or have children to do this program. Okay. I'm there. I'm <laughs> You're going to sign up. Our... I'll bring a cat or something. You, know. <laughs> you don't need to. You're by yourself. It's it's sometimes yeah. <laughs> the program is one on one. You can, nobody's going to see what you're doing. You'll you're you're doing this by yourself. You know, with with instruction. 
with video nice. and audio instruction. Mm -hmm. I could have used that about 20 years ago. Like, what are you doing up there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, she's an doing. adult daughter now, but you guys it's even still worse. do it together. <laughs> But you, Why is the over? <laughs> but you've got telepathy with her. You know that, you know, that's, that's there. We yeah. have telepathy with one another, you know, yeah. so we just need to pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It bugs her when I was like, what, are you okay? <laughs> She's like, yeah, I'm fine. So let me ask you this, Ellie, since you were talking earlier about, you know, studying, you know, brain waves and, and activity and, and things like that. Uh, are you also doing you know, research and exercises with dreams? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it goes together. So again, um, I do a lot of dream work and I do the dream work with my clients and I also do the dream work with children. And then occasionally I will run a dream workshop and there will be a dream workshop on my Psykids Academy in a few weeks. So it's kind of telepathically funny that you would mention it right now. Okay. Because that's, <laughs> it, it's actually developed. It just needs to get uploaded onto the site. Great. And I do a lot of work with dreams because dreams, as you may know, um, helps us to access the subconscious mind. That's mm -hmm. how we get in there. Well, let me ask you this, if we're going to go down the, the road of dreams, because it's always a fascinating subject for me, because I will on occasion uh, have some sort of uh, you know dream premonition where it, it might be a couple of months down the road, it might be a couple of years down the road, but something that I dreamt absolutely comes true down to the detail, like the location and, and all of that. So mm -hmm. my question then is, because, like I said, it might be a couple of months or a couple of years down the road. Is there a way to figure out and determine by maybe examining the dream or what have you to know when that may actually occur? I don't know. I don't have an answer okay. to that. Um, since time we know is not linear like this. Mm -hmm. So it's really difficult to say, yeah, that's going to happen in two years. I mean, here's the thing though. If we start programming ourselves, remember the subconscious is so powerful that if you say to yourself, you know what? The stream that I had in two years, it's going to come to fruition. Then through those really strange ways that the brain works and that, you know, all of a sudden two years down the line, it's going to happen. You know, think about your goals that you create for yourself, these sheets that we write, and then we tuck them away and then we pull them out a few years later and to the dot, it's like check, 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 check. Because what happens is the brain, the subconscious reticular activating system, it moves towards the direction again with it heads out that way. So be, we need to always be careful and mindful of what we put out to the universe, um, both mentally and, you know, psychically and verbally. So to answer his question, yes, um, <laughs> he can have these prem, um, premonitions and, you know, prophecies in his dream state. And but just we don't know the timing on that. What about okay. recurring dreams? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you went away. Your picture's gone. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. Can you hear me? Oh, this this is very sci-fi channel. Okay, now. Cool. So here's yeah, I'm my. I'm having connection issues. Yeah. This is you know my interpretation. <laughs> no, I have these recurring dreams and mm -hmm. like each night I get a little bit deeper and I can see a little bit more, but my mm -hmm. gosh, it's taking forever. Um, <laughs> so, is there a shortcut? Um, I don't know. I think the best way to do it is to actually analyze it. There are many different methods of analyzing dreams. I have one that I use from the Edgar Casey Institute, where I where I learned how to do dream analysis from Dr. Henry Reed. But the subconscious will give you a recurring dream if it needs to send you a message. So here's the thing, Victoria, there's a message in there that you need to pay attention to. You're not hearing it. And that's why it's going to keep coming until you get it. Well, it's, it's a message of something I know I need to do. And I've now met two people who I know are going to be part of it. But when I mentioned it to one of them, he went, that's never going to happen. And the other one's kind of off in his own world. But I have to tell you off, off camera, I think you might be part of it too. Um, Mike's out because he's, he's flickering. So yeah. in another can, dimension. can you at least hear me though? Yeah, we see you. I see you. Okay. Yeah. Because it's doing weird stuff. I've had 
some connection issue. Well, before the show, my yeah. computer completely blue screen. So I'm having yeah. issues right now. You're flickering. That's <laughs> but all. you can hear me just fine. Yeah. It's a glitch. It's a glitch in the okay. matrix. Glitch in the matrix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So let me ask you this thing. Cause I, I completely agree that, um, you know, time is not linear that, uh, yeah, past, present, future are all happening at the same time. So when we when we have this dream of something that ends up coming true down the road, is that are we connecting to that moment, almost like getting a window into uh, that point in time, like as if it's happening right then and there? Probably could be. I mean, I, I analyze dreams in terms of their interpretations. You know, I don't have the answer to that. But it mm -hmm. sounds very plausible that we're getting a glimpse of something. We're seeing something that is coming down in the future. And we just have to pay attention to these things. Okay. I mean, I'm just, what do you think of Victoria? I'll say about my dream. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like, See, I want again, just... it's, it's pushing me to small town Texas somewhere, you know, like central, like where your son is. And yeah, not that way. I had a dream about two years ago and I, you know, sometimes the really, really cool ones, I write them down. The other ones I just like forget, but I had this dream. It was about two years ago and I wrote it down in detail and I started using um, a technique that Emmett Fox, I'm not sure if you know who he is. And Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. So Emmett Fox talks about using the golden key. And so in my dream, which was two years down the road, before I had come into contact with Emmett Fox's golden key. Now, again, did my subconscious know about the golden key? Because I was familiar with Emmett's work, but that didn't, I don't have any conscious recollection about the golden key. So I had a dream that I was going to be given a golden key. And this dream was going to be very instrumental in my everyday life. So two years later, I find this dream in my journal and I've been working with Emmett Fox's Golden Key, and I've been teaching the Golden Key to my clients, and it has been extremely instrumental and uh, making a profound difference in everyone's life who's Golden Keying right now. Okay. So I know where I need to end up, but I don't know quite how to get there. Yeah. Well, so that's that's the. <laughs> It's always the trick, it right? All, it always falls down to money. I need like $8 million to get up. No, just kidding. Um, a nice little windfall would be nice, you know? Um, well, here's the thing, Victoria, in the quantum in the quantum world, when we take out the word, how can I have that? And we just start to, and this is not just law of attraction, kind of, let me visualize this. There are actually techniques, only I can't go into them right now. There are techniques that will pretty much part the seas. Okay. okay. They're using language, using mental abilities where, you know, hey, I don't have that 8 million right now, but uh, there are ways to get it. But first of all, your belief system has to be intact because you can ask for 8 million, but if you don't believe that you can have that 8 million, then that 8 million is not coming to you. I mean, I've had clients who've really, who brought in $5 million just like that out of a, basically out of nowhere. Okay. And grants coming in, you know, half a million dollar in a grant money, just again, out of nowhere. But yeah. again, you have to, one, one must be ready for that amount. I, I do believe that's right. also how it works with the lottery. Lot, you know, even though they say that lottery winners for the most part, you know, then lose all their money if they don't have that money programming. But I wonder, this is just an inquiry that I have uh, that I talk to myself about is that what kind of work do they do mentally in their self-talk and in their prayers um, for either years or months before they actually hit that lottery? Hmm. That's okay. a good question. Yeah. It's kind of like going down the yellow brick road for me personally, because I keep meeting characters I'm like, oh, okay, you play, you play a part. <laughs> so I, you know, we're not there yet. We're not in the Emerald City, but I know, I know you play a part. So I don't know. Do y'all do that too? Do you meet people you know you're supposed to Work journey with? on with? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so just a little aside. When I saw I when I saw Mike's website, okay, first thing I wanted to do was I want to travel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> First thing that came to my mind is I want to go travel. 
Yeah, we all. have some trips coming up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you asked about Gobekli Tepe, which is not one coming Ooh. up, but down the road, we're definitely going to go there. So we'll work that oh. out these days. But. Oh, get one I've of those strong Gobekli Tepe. I've got a strong <laughs> pull to that place, mm-hmm. even though I've never been there. And I've been researching it. And I was even going to, I've been looking for people to, to, Tell me more aside from YouTube um, yeah. <laughs> and Gaia. You know, I've just been looking for people who, you know, who's been there? What have they seen? What was it like? Um, so then I started following um, the archaeologist. He's no longer alive, Klaus Schmidt. So I was listening oh, yeah. to a lot, of, a lot yeah. of listening to what he had to say about Gobeki, Te- Gobeki Tepe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's the one that actually started unearthing it. So, um, yeah, and it's a shame that he passed away, which was just very shocking when it happened. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. So it was part of the hollowed earth, huh? Yeah. (laughs) We have some questions here out of the chat. So this is from Sarah Youssef. She asks, children are often indoctrinated within certain psychological and mental constructs. How can someone encourage and nurture extrasensory abilities and connections? And that's a fabulous question, Sarah. So this is why I work with parents and children, because it's the parents have to be on board. It starts in the conversation. Um, The parents have to be able to nurture and provide an environment, a linguistic environment for this work to continue. Otherwise, you're going to get people saying, ah, be quiet, sit down, it's your imagination, that's nonsense, that's the work of the devil, or you know, conversations like that. Whereas the parents that that I work with have a very conscious awareness. And so that conversation is really carried on at home. Emotional intelligence is taught. And I teach that also in my programs. So my program is not just about the phenomena. It's not just about, oh, can I see across time, distance, and space? Oh, can I bend a spoon? It is not the phenomena. What I'm looking to develop in my programs is conscious awareness, um, intuitive heart, meaning the idea that we are all connected. So therefore, this kindness has to be present among children. And I teach that. I teach responding rather than reacting. Again, emotional intelligence, consciousness, conscious awareness. And it's part of it. It's not the phenomena, but it allows the phenomena allows the children to understand how powerful they are. Yeah, that's fantastic because so many times, especially in our past, I think people are becoming a little bit more open to it these days. But uh, so many times in our past, where you know children would be uh, displaying certain abilities or have certain questions, or maybe they saw something, and you know you would have you know their parents or somebody very close to them just you know mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah they they would say, no, that's not real. It's in your head, you know, whatever it was and discourage those abilities. So that that's wonderful that you're teaching that encouragement. And the other thing in my book, I have this, I've got a, I wrote a book, it's called children who know how to know. And in my book, it really talks about what parents can do to um, foster this intuitive ability. So for example, A lot of times parents are having problems. Maybe they're having problems at home and they're looking to protect. They think they're protecting their, oh, there it is. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for showing that. You're welcome. So they're looking to protect their children and then they lie. Okay, like there's a problem in the house and the kid feels it. They senses, the child senses it. They don't know they're frightened. They want to know what's going on. And they're intuitively connected to there's a problem here. And then they go to and ask a parent, hey, what's going on? You know, something, everything okay? And the parents will say, yes, everything is fine. Don't worry about it. And right there, what happens is our intuition, and I say our, because we're all in that boat at one time when we're really young, intuition is thwarted. We don't trust it any longer. And then we grow up with this not trusting our intuition because we were trained in in childhood not to trust it by well-meaning and well-intentioned adults. Whereas- Yeah, what I say in the book, for example, is, you know what, if a parent is going through divorce, rather than lie to your child to protect them from what they think they cannot understand, use words. Use words that a child can relate to. Um, 
and speak to the child directly. You know, we're going through some problems. It has nothing to do with you. You are safe. That's all the kid wants to know anyway. You're safe and you're loved. So bottom line, no big story. You know, you're safe. You're loved. We love you. You're safe and everything will work out. That's it. That's, and the kid is now validated and says, wow, you know what? My intuition was right. I knew my parents were going through some difficulties. I may not understand them, but now I don't have to create some kind of wild story about it, which then stays with us when we're adults. Okay. And then we foster that insane belief that we made up as a young child. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, the- that's absolutely fantastic. Go ahead, Victoria. Uh, that's the way my uh, mother was. She's like, oh, you, you, that's just your imagination. Mm-hmm. And things that I would pick up on would actually happen. So I've learned to, I guess, closet it, you know, basically, you know, keep it yeah. as an mm-hmm. inner little secret. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, well, I was a closet psychic for 30 some odd years of my life. Okay. Um, I used to, I was teaching education in public school. Uh, I was a mom, I was on the soccer field. And then on, I would have ladies come to my home and I would read coffee grinds and do psychic readings. And my kids would run around upstairs or hide in their bedrooms until everybody left. And then I'd go back to work the next day and, you know, yeah, be a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's good that, you know, now there's a venue for children to open up and actually, you know, be honest and not have to feel like they're the weirdo of the neighborhood or something. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, they're perfectly normal. That's great. Yep, absolutely. So we have a couple other questions here from the chat. Actually, um, our chat moderator, chat, chat moderator, Alina, uh, posted this before the show uh, or sent it to me before the show. So it's my question for Ellie tonight. I've been seeing shadow people from as young as three years old. Does that indicate someone like me has psychic or intuitive abilities from birth? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically, yeah, you have the ability to see shadow people from the very, from the time that you were very small. Now being able to see shadow people is not that it's not that it's uncommon, but, not a lot of people have, I guess it is a little uncommon or either that or people aren't talking about it, but I have found in my own experience that seeing shadow people is fairly rare. So, um, it's very cool. (laughs) It's rare. Well, I see them a lot as well, by the way. And when you were talking about, um, you know, before about, you know, uh, you know, parents, you know, affirming their children and, uh, and encouraging them, that's what happened with my mother and I when you know, I was about 13 years old and you know, we were just moving into a house and I kept seeing uh, a shadow there. It would just come to the doorway when I was like unpacking boxes and what have you. and It would just you know, take off down the hall when I would turn and look at it. And so after a few days of that happening, I asked my mother about it and she actually admitted that she had seen the same thing, but um, she wasn't alarmed about it. She was... Um, you know, it was great for me, one, that she affirmed that it was happening mm-hmm. uh, and that I was not crazy. And then also, since she wasn't alarmed by it, I wasn't alarmed by it either. And I just got playful with the thing. And I started calling him Tom, like peeping Tom, because he would just <laughs> you know, peep in my room and I'd say, hi, Tom. And off he'd go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. It's interesting. I don't know exactly why or how all this works. You know, I don't research um, the paranormal phenomena like that. But when I was doing construction in my home prior to moving to Washington, we had shadow figures in the house and we mm-hmm. had really bizarre things going on. I never really got to the source of what was happening over there. I'd come home from work and the jacuzzi would start by itself when I would get into the room and then call the contractor, shut it. Finally, I had to turn off the circuit breaker downstairs in the basement because it kept going on by itself. And then when we went to sell the house, the person who purchased it said, why is the circuit breaker off down in the basement for the jacuzzi? I said, oh, yeah. I was all like, just don't want the kids to like play with it during the day. Right. <laughs> Good story. Yeah. 
Mm. Uh, I wish I had, wish I had a ghost that would turn on a jacuzzi for me. But you know, well, there was no water, Victoria, so it's not. Oh, a thing. oh okay. There well, was no good. water, and it was on, right? And the contractors mm. could not find anything, nor could the the manufacturer of the product. And then that was the same time that we were seeing shadow figures in the in the rooms, also. So it was really interesting to look at it as a phenomena again, like what was going on over here, and what had gotten called in during the construction. Oh, was it just that one home where you saw things or has that been a lifelong thing? No, it's been a lifelong, but this, this was the most prominent, the, this was the, the craziest that it ever was in my entire life it was, and it was only in one room. It was in the new construction in huh. the bedroom with the jacuzzi. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it was huh. really interesting. Mike keeps blinking out. So yeah, I, I keep blinking, and actually, the the sound keeps going out on me too. But as I was going to ask if you could, as long as you guys stay here. connected, we're good. So you know what it's, it is. Um, it's the it's the we, energy, right? It's the energy because it's the energy. Do that absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's Mercury. We got one more day. There's that too. <laughs> so from Judy Wilson, uh, do you think psychic abilities can come from the family line? Uh, yes, and so I'm going to go to a yes and no on that one. And what I mean by that is the conversations are inherited. So if you have a psychic in your family, your kids are going to see, you're going to take, all right, um, I'm in my home. And so my kids hear this conversation for the most part all day long. Uh, my youngest son heard it all the time. Does he have abilities? Absolutely. Are they inherited or are they learned? You know, does it matter? So that's, I believe that it could be a combination, obviously, that it is, some of it is inherited. A lot of it is also learned. We hear these conversations. Okay. We inherit conversations. Mm -hmm. I never okay. thought of it that way, but that's true. Hmm. Makes sense. Okay. Um, back to the... Yeah. Yeah. Back to the shadow people real quick. Uh, Jeanette Kemp. I wonder if sometimes when we see shadow figures is more of our psychic abilities may not be developed enough to see them as their true form. So I guess the question then would be if, uh, if we want to see something more in its true form like that, you know, should we do something to try to enhance our psychic abilities? Would that help? We can. I do believe though that shadow figures are a, just shadow figures are a, a type of entity as opposed to a different kind of ghost. All right. So I don't know if you're being able to develop your psychic abilities. And those are not the abilities that I'm talking about. When I'm talking about psychic abilities, I'm not talking about that. I'm pretty much talking about telepathy and remote viewing and um, mind power, reading somebody else's mind. That is more in terms of when I talk about psychic abilities as opposed to uh, distinguishing between a shadow figure and a ghost. Are you back? <laughs> I got most of it. <laughs> it's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. It's Spin been an adventure wheel. this evening. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, I, I forgot my question now. <laughs> so, well, Victoria, I know you had some astrology questions. You guys were talking a little bit about that before well, the show when I blue screened. <laughs> Which time? <laughs> um, well, as you said earlier, we were having a little chat going this, this afternoon. Um, today and tomorrow, this is like the big deal. Can you tell us a little bit about that and the Pluto return and why we should hold on to our behinds? <laughs> oh, again, so this is also very fascinating to me because it borders, for me, it borders on a belief system also, okay? And meaning, do we really, do we give our power away to astrology? Do we use it as entertainment? Do we use it as a roadmap? So what will we do with astrology? Where does it fit into our lives? Will it be a doctrine that you're going to just believe and accept? Oh, you know, Mercury's, let's use Mercury as an example. Mercury's retrograde. So now all my electronics are going to go bad and I'm not going to buy any electronics because they're going to go bad going to be a bad deal. And so do we give our power to that? Do these things always happen anyway? These are just questions I'm posing. But now that we have our focus on it, like with the reticular activating system, if I say to you, 
okay, look for green cars. So now all you're going to see are green cars. So now during this time period, we're looking for technological glitches. Aren't they always present? Don't they always exist? So it would be an interesting phenomena to pay attention. Okay, you know what? From March 1st to March 30th, there is no official, there's no Mercury retrograde. Let me see how many times I have electronic breakdowns. But then comes another aspect, which is the collective consciousness. We get to control things through the collective consciousness because we are all tapped into a universal collective consciousness. So, you know, in quantum physics, if somebody particularly stares at an object, we can make that object go into that direction. This is proven. This is in the quantum field. So now if that's the case in the quantum field, what if a whole group, massive, massive amounts of people are having conversations and belief systems that Mercury retrograde is going to affect all of their appliances? Well, then, you know what? Um, there's, a, there's a very, very strong chance that that will happen. Right. Well, so, I was mainly that answered the question about astrology. <laughs> so, um, I was mainly talking about the Pluto return um, for oh, the United yeah, States. Right. And that a lot of astrologers have been talking about and saying how this is going to create um, all kinds of problems. But then again, what chart are we using and where is this, you know, what chart are they using? Are they using Washington DC as their marker? And is this, you know, is this going to be a Y2K thing? Remember the computers all go down, you know, Pluto returns, da-da, you know. They never really went down. Um, what yeah. I was thinking, or what I've heard. No, but everybody was scared of that. That's oh, what I'm geez. saying. Yeah. No, um, from what I've been hearing, and I've been kind of teasing Mike for the last couple of years, that <laughs> or so, um, that Pluto is going to return. And it's indicative of, in the past, of like empires crumbling. And That's right. Um, you know, systems are changing. And then mm -hmm. if you look at from like January 6th of last year, uh, how many things have been shaken to the core, mm -hmm. you know, in our country. So yeah, there is going to be a change and just the, the synchronicity of Pluto's return, if you want to call it that, um, with all these major changes and we're moving into the Aquarian age, I just find that so fascinating. And, and like you and I were talking about, I'm not going to let it dictate my life. But I did move all my money out of the stock market just in time. But, um, you know, and I found how, who the evil doer in the stock market was. So I put money on him and I've made a lot of money here lately. But um, you know. so mm -hmm. anyway, so I have, it's just it's weird. Yeah. So I have a different I mean, I I, I also believe this is a, my personal belief that we're currently entering into what is known as an episteme which is, according to the philosopher Michael, Michael Foucault, um, epistemes are cultural, scientific. These are big shifts in culture and in thinking. It affects culture and science, it, literature across the board, everything. And only three, and there have only been three of them so far in the history of Western civilization. And according to Foucault, we are entering into another episteme. We've been entering into it. So with the technology age. So this could all be combined or connected to the episteme as opposed to Pluto. It has a much more, let's call it a much more scientific root. Um, and we can't see the episteme until after it happens. All right. So it may be called the new earth when we're done, you know, when her, right. the history books finish up with us. Or it could be called big tech or who knows, the meta universe for all we know, okay, the metaverse. But we don't know this yet. And history will determine what this huge epoch will be called after it happens. So now is this, you know, connected to Pluto, to Pluto return? Um, not according to not according to that premise. Mm -hmm. And I'm not looking to be a skeptic, but you know, I do have a very uh, skeptic for somebody who's psychic, I have a very, I'm going to call it highly skeptical uh, side to me about a lot of the, a lot of this. Not about. Well, I think it's good to have a healthy dose of skepticism yeah. in there. Not about, sure. not about psychic work and our abilities. Okay. Cause that to me is that's, that's real. Okay. I mean, I've seen and I do. And so that's real. That is not skeptic. I'm not a skeptic on that where I do become skeptical 
is about when we give our power away to to people, to things, to situation, to phenomena, okay? And to really look to not take personal responsibility for something. It's like, oh, you know what? It was, that's my, oh, it's because I'm a Scorpio or something like that. And therefore my behavior is poor. Okay, no, that's just you blaming the astrology chart on your bad behavior. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just a <laughs> Trying to find a scapegoat. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I like to use it to... Um, to kind of get a heads up, like, okay, well, you know, maybe this is not the time I want to run for president or something. Not that I was going to run for president, but you know, there's going to be some political oh, shifts going on. Oh, I've got a free week coming up. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's just the synchronicity and the coincidences that I've always been fascinated in. Absolutely. And I agree. There is something there. I'm not going to say to you, there's not when we were looking at when I was, we were, I was doing some predictive astrology back in, in 2015 and the things that I was seeing, you know, they would pretty much come to fruition. Again, the challenge is in the language because right. when we're working in any kind of prediction, I could see something, and this is again with the remote viewing, and that's why we, we pay careful attention not to label things. So I could see something that is round and has some stripes in it and it's orange. And then my association to that would be, oh, pumpkin, but maybe it's a basketball. Or what if it's not even invented yet down the line, but it looks like a basketball or a pumpkin. So that is the danger when people go to the interpretations of these of these situations. So if we can only just leave it in the space of this is what I see, boom, 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 without labeling it into that associative thought that we can understand, oh yeah. And then we leave it just as without the labels in the description, we'll have a much higher accuracy rate than when we start to put labels to it. Right, we were um, discussing with a guest I don't know if it was last week or the week before, because, you know, time. Um, but we were talking about dream interpretation and things. And I was saying how much I dislike the dream interpretation books because it's not cut and dry. It's what it means to you. So that could be possibly the same thing, like what your orange ball with the stripes. Maybe it might mean one thing to you and totally something else for to someone else. So just let it go. Let it flow. Are you talking about dream interpretation or prediction? Yeah, same thing. Predictions, uh, things that it's symbolic to you one way. Like, um, yeah, when you were talking about the orange ball, I was seeing a basketball and you said pumpkin. I'm like, okay, well, mm -hmm. orange ball with stripes to me is a basketball. But mm -hmm. um, it could be something different to everyone. Yeah. And that's why we try, when I whenever I do psychic readings or um, intuitive readings, my phrase is always don't be greater than God, meaning do not look to label it and to make it fit into what you know, because this could be something so different. And um, I remember when I was doing those predictions in back in the day with astrology and just looking, I saw this really great big divide. Okay. And I saw people fighting in the streets and I saw this really huge division and I made the mistake of labeling it. And so I turned it into a generational thing. But later on, what fit my description was more of the, the violence that went on in Portland and in Seattle. Um, that fit what I had seen, but I didn't. Now, I was so far out in my years. I was about four years ahead of time. And so my words and my description, what I saw, but what I verbally expressed matched what showed up now but i didn't have a, a an awareness of it back then right okay I, yeah, saw I like your example of that you know it may not even have been invented yet mm -hmm. so yeah so i guess kind of take it with a grain of salt okay here's the image but it could be a variety of different things right but could you could you use that as um you know almost like a a sign you know maybe be on the lookout for something that might look like this, mm -hmm. but you know, you don't know exactly what that's going to be. Right. And I, I usually thank Mike. I usually say to people when I'm doing a reading, just let's leave it open. All right. Let's leave mm -hmm. it open. Okay. This is what I see. Let's leave it open. It will be revealed when the time is right. That 
that thing, whatever that thing is that I'm seeing that I'm describing to you, even though you may not know what it is and I don't even have words for it, let's leave it open. It will be revealed. And great. it usually That's is. That's great advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, another question here out of the chat, Sarah Youssef. Where do you see the evolution of global consciousness heading towards? Um, this is a great question, Sarah, and thanks for asking that. Um, there are a lot of books that have been written about this tipping point. Well, where I'm seeing global consciousness is that we've, we're at the great divide. So where will we go? Which way will we go? Where will we be? I really feel on a personal this is my personal opinion. I feel as if I'm not even on the same planet sometimes as the news. When I turn on the news and I watch what's going on, I feel as if I'm not even of that dimension, if that makes any sense, or of that planet. I have a really hard time relating to the things that are going on on TV and even in politics and in our world. And the people that I associate with have that same experience that I have. It is as if we are of a different world. So if you want to think of the best way that I can describe it is if we're looking at socioeconomic classes, okay, a person who's flying around and jetting around in a jet or living in a mansion that they can't find the bathrooms because it's so big, will have hardly any way of relating to somebody who may be living under the ground in a subway station. And so it's a whole different consciousness. And that's pretty much what I'm seeing happening here, but on a different level, it's not necessary. It's not socioeconomic this time. It's in the consciousness. Okay. And mm -hmm. when, when connecting, did that make sense? How do I No, It, yeah. it, it makes sense. Um, there's another direction. I kind of want to take this in because I'm thinking about, cause I, I, I usually think beyond our planet and uh, I, I kind of start, thinking about the rest of the universe. So is there a, a consciousness that extends you know, beyond our planet to you know, other civilizations that may be out there? Are we able to connect to them that way through this consciousness? Absolutely. I mean, again, to think that we're all that is, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the, the rest of the universe prior to earth had another, you know, 9 billion years of a head start. So yeah, I kind of think there's something else out there. Right. Have you, have you connected with anyone from another dimension or another planet universe galaxy? I've had some experiences. I will tell you that what's interesting for me, Victoria, is when I do readings, I've noticed that the entities that come through for me in the readings are the the entities that the client is associated with. So if I'm reading for somebody who has a more religious background, then entities such as Jesus and Mary and angels will appear in the reading. And then when I'm working with clients who are strongly connected to um, other worldly civilizations, I will see entities, I will get beautiful blue light beings that are just unbelievable with fabulous messages. And um, one time I had, I'm just going to share a story real quickly, if I may. So I was, sure. reading, I was reading for a client who was really ill and I do not do medical. That's not my deal. I will never prescribe or tell anybody. But this information came through Mike Victoria from this blue being. It sounds, you know, it sounds otherworldly. And I was told to tell the client to mix, psychically mix blue and white, like a cobalt blue and a white light as an elixir through her body and run that through her body as a healing fluid. And I mean, I couldn't make that up if I wanted to at that moment in time to tell her that. Um, and she said, okay, she was going to go meditate with that and use that energy to help heal her body. That's fascinating. Let me ask you this, Ellie. So with some people, you know, if they're getting that image of Jesus or Mary or whomever, you know, some religious icon, um, and some people are getting, you know, these other types of entities, is it possible that it's 
really one and the same. It's all the same thing, but it takes on a different guise just to get the message across. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. Cool. <laughs> Let me check through our uh, chat room here. Victoria, I know you have some other things that you wanted to ask. Let me look through our chat room, see if we have some more questions down here, because we are getting down toward the end of the show here. So I want to oh, make no. sure everybody has. With the, um, I'm sorry, the, with the blue light people, would that be like a vibrational type healing or is it actual entity? No. It was an entity. It was a blue being. Okay. And that's what I saw. I saw a blue being. And mm -hmm. then the information was, can take this blue color, cobalt blue and mix it together with a white light and run it as if, you know, obviously in your imagination, mm -hmm. run it through your veins, run it through as if it were blood, run it and then have it heal. Okay. Kind of cool. I don't, want, I don't want to ask, but I hope they got better. Um, I mean, I know it's medical and personal, but I'm really interested now. So. Well, they're, they're, I, can, I can say this to you. They're alive. Okay. That much. Okay. Can. That's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's, that's so interesting. And again, here's the thing. I don't do medical, but I was thinking to myself, you know what? I got that information and I'm going to share it. <laughs> it's like, and I'm going to use it too. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Right. Mm hmm Okay, question here from Judy Wilson. Do you think we are becoming more psychic because of the times we are living in? I think the the conversation is more open. So we've, oh, yes, and there's more awareness to it. So we're paying attention. So we get to see it now. We're not shut down there. You know, think about it when I'm looking for words on this one. Um there's thinking aloud and there's also forms of like not thinking when we don't, and I've seen this in education, for example, where kids do not want to think they haven't been taught how to think. Okay. And why maybe it's cultural, maybe it's, you know, from their homes, whatever, but there's an actual non thinking that goes on. And it's hard to explain this to somebody who is coming from, a background where thinking happens all the time. They're always thinking. It's very, it's an interesting phenomenon. So I need to answer your question. I believe that the conversations are more open right now so that there is more thinking allowed and that we have these conversations which then allows us to develop our psychic abilities to another degree more so than before because that thinking, that perception is allowed. Why do you think there's a yeah, division now? I'm sorry, <laughs> between the, the thinkers and, well, to use your phrase, those who don't like to think, is it becoming a like a Grand Canyon now, a bigger, a bigger divide? Oh, I don't. So I'm not in the classroom any longer. Okay. And so um, the kids that come to me are they're thinkers. OK, because they, right. come, they come from parents who want to do this work. But when I was teaching um, when I was teaching in public school, there were many children that just came from, I can't explain it to you because it was just other than there, you know, here's a question. Let's, I pose a question, blah, 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 blah. And then there's no, there's no thought to it. It's just, I don't know. So it's just, I don't know. And then there's the cognitive questioning. Oh, well, all right, let me go think about that possibility. Why could that be? All right. So, but it's just, I don't know, just shut down like that. Yeah, I noticed that um, when my daughter was in elementary school, I volunteered to do, you know, mom things, whatever you want, grade test papers. So that was the thing I did was grade the English papers. And there was always this poor child whose name was, well, I don't want to say his name. Anyway, but, you know, I followed him all through school and he never could spell anything correctly. And they would all, always give him a D, even though, you know, nothing, zero out of 10, all wrong. But one day he spelt hamburger correctly. You know, and it's like, is, is that just something, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just like, it boggled my mind how the little child cannot spell and they kept passing him along and along. And I started realizing it was a cultural thing. Um, I don't know. It was just weird. But well, then we moved to another school and, and they, they had like a whole way of teaching that was mm -hmm. totally different. And everybody was just a little brainiac. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's just interesting because I guess also, you know, the questions that you hear as a child when you have conversation at dinner tables and people are talking, hey, what's it going to take? What will I do? The moment you ask somebody, what's it going to take? The brain starts to work. But if we're not having these conversations, then what are we going to be doing? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I heard you say something earlier. I was listening to one of your podcasts and it, and it struck me and I was like, you're absolutely right. But um, we never forget what we hear. Yeah. You can't unhear anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, I still remember things from when I was a little kid. I'm like, oh, well, that's. Yeah. <laughs> it's, all, it's all stored up in there somewhere. That's yeah. right. That's right. It's right over here. <laughs> We have to be very, very careful with our words when we choose our words, especially when we're working with children. We have to be very conscious of the words that we're using. Yeah. It was a strong message. Yeah, it's it's really interesting (laughs) because I've um I've I've heard before that you know the mind doesn't ever really forget things. It's it's stored away way back in there. There'll there'll be a trigger that all of a sudden, you know, you might remember things. Some people remember a lot more than mm-hmm. others just on the surface but every single little thing is supposed to be yeah. is supposed to be in there you've and you've done studies mm-hmm. with with the brain with brainwave activity so is that true yes it is it's all stored there and there are amazing amazing books out there also um really to deal to that really have researched this in depth everything is in there the subconscious is just think about it it's like a sponge when children's brains are developing their brains are sponges everything gets put in there and then it is called upon later on and the subconscious has stored it all and it's the same thing with even just now with you know we can only see in front of us right we don't see what's going on behind us consciously but other parts of our body other parts of our brain is picking up that consciousness knows what's going on out there. That is why you know when you're being followed. How do you know? You don't see anybody back there, but you feel it. <laughs> you know it. Okay. So it's amazing what we. There's so much more than what we see with our eyes, and our brain uh, is registering all of that information for a future time, probably in your dream at night. So right back to the my dreams. yellow brick right. road. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> You were on my yellow brick road. Okay. <laughs> no, but that makes a lot of sense though. You know, yeah. all, all the senses are, are, are picking up on that. And, you know, I, like I just heard Nicole back there in, in the kitchen a moment ago. So that that's in there. Okay. Nicole made a sound while we were live, but <laughs> which is fine. But, um, you know, while we're sleeping though, you know, even if it's not a dream in, in which we're you know witnessing whatever it is, um, you know, our subconscious can still pick up on things that are going on within the room. You know, yes. like if a sound is made or, you know, somebody says something or mm-hmm. maybe you feel somebody come close to you. Yeah. Haven't you ever had that experience where um, let's say your alarm is ringing and you're still sleeping, but then that alarm is in your dream and something is happening. In oh there. yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. We hear yeah. it. We hear everything. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now the, the example I love giving is um, with, with my son, Cameron, uh, when he was very little and he would come up to the bed in the middle of the night, he, you know, maybe he needed to use the, the restroom or needed to drink water, whatever it was, had a bad dream. And he would never, you know, like tap me on the shoulder or shake me awake or whatever. He would just stand there next to the bed. And all of a sudden it's like, I would feel his presence and be like, Oh my gosh, Cameron, what, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? But it's like, I just felt him there. Yeah. 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 Fascinating. It really is. It really is. He's going to grow up yeah, a shadow person. <laughs> he was. Well, and I and I use that okay. as an example in some of my um, shadow person presentations. So, well, we have about a minute and a half left in the show, Ellie. I want you know people to know where to find you. I've been putting, let me put the banner back up here. I've been putting the banner up all night. EllieMolina.com. Uh, I'll put the, uh, well, this is for the Psy Kids Academy. Uh, so how can people find you and your work? Right there. <laughs> yeah, right there. There it is. <laughs> Work with me. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Google, there's enough on Google search. Uh, so if you, any search engine, uh, just put in my name. Um, I'm pretty much on social media. It's too late now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little, but you know, tomorrow, right? <laughs> so, 
Yeah. All right. Well, Ellie, thank you so much for joining us this evening. This was really fascinating. And you know, I hope people, uh, you know, got a lot of information out of this. I know I did. Thank I you. Say, I did. <laughs> and thank you so much for having me. It's been such fun. And I look forward to staying in touch with you and hearing all of the adventures that are coming down your rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Come travel with us. <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> right. Have a great night, Ellie. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. Nice talking to you. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.